Tokyo Lives, a giant monsters podcast where the hosts truly believe that while these ants aren't as big as a battleship, they are armored like one. I'm Cameron. I'm Kyle. And I'm Rob. And today we are talking about a true classic of American monster movies. Them! Uh, them! Uh. That was louder than I thought, but you have to say it that way because it ends in an exclamation point. Yeah, you're right. True. Yeah, and they went through all the trouble of coloring that first title card. So yeah, that one title I'm not gonna, card. Yeah, I'm the not going to disrespect scene. anybody by not doing that. But before oh we, gosh. before we exclaim the rest of our feelings about them, <laughs> uh, we're going to do the news. Gosh, you keep getting me with that. <laughs> Startling. Yeah. Um. All right. So news. Okay. So it's funny because uh, I wrote down four uh, individual news items. However, the funny part about these four individual news items is the first one is like 20 news items in one. So oh, uh, we have a lot of MonsterVerse stuff that's been going on within these last three weeks, including some that we actually missed announcing on the podcast whenever Mom. they were announced. Whoops. <laughs> so uh, to take us back all the way to the stuff that we missed. So. If you're a fan and you've missed this news, like you've been living under a rock because it's all that everybody in the Godzilla community has been talking about. Except for us. Uh, but except for us, apparently. We didn't, we didn't, but everyone else was. Everybody yeah. else was talking about it. Yeah. So we we knew that uh the Godzilla versus Kong sequel, as it's being written out everywhere, which I absolutely hate, but I'll talk more about that later. Uh, <laughs> was going to start shooting in Queensland uh last month. Uh Queensland, Australia. And uh, we knew that that was going to start production and we had started getting rumblings of like what's happening, what the movie's synopsis is and what's going on. And then we got the official announcement for its uh, two things, its release date and also a certain monster that is also showing up in this movie that we didn't know was showing up at all. So the first thing is, is it's, is it's release date. Um, so the movie is slated to come out March 15th of 2024. Um, which is a pretty good turnaround uh, that yeah. gives them the rest of this year to shoot as well as next year to do the CG and da 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 and start up the marketing campaign. Um, I am absolutely ecstatic that they are shooting for a March release date. I hope they keep that because March is the perfect time to release this kind of a movie so that it's not competing with a lot of Marvel. It's not competing with a lot of other Disney stuff. Uh, it's coming out kind of it's on its own in the middle of March um, perfectly for spring break. Actually, I think is when March 15th usually lands around. Oh, so that's perfect. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, so it's already, it's already started shooting, which we'll get more into it, the exact nature of what we've get, learned from them shooting so far. Uh, but uh, we also got official confirmation that Godzilla was going to be in this movie. Um, now that is really, really interesting. And it plays into a lot of stuff that we're going to talk about in just a second in the news, because 
up until the official announcement of the release date and the official re- press release from uh, the official Godzilla website from Toho, uh, we had no idea that Godzilla was going to be in this next movie. Everything we had heard was it was going to be like a Son of Kong movie, um, that it was very going to be very Kong-centric, yeah. not mm-hmm. Godzilla-centric. Um, but now we're starting to learn a little bit more about the production, even though we don't have a good synopsis still. Yeah. Um, that is kind of leading us to maybe think that um, this might be a movie that has kind of a dual story uh, set up to it, where some of it's taking place in the hollow earth, some of it's taking place on the surface. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about that more in just a second. But once again, the biggest news is a hundred percent confirmed. Godzilla is going to be in this movie. We don't know how long he's going to be in this movie. He still could kind of be playing second fiddle to Kong with it being a Kong-centered story, and Godzilla's just kind of doing a couple things on the surface. Yeah. But like, we know that he's at least going to be in it. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's a really interesting approach to set up um, the his fourth ancient rivalry in someone else's movie. Um, I think that's a really interesting take. It's really, like, it's... Brilliant. It's, you know, it's kind of reaching out there and saying, what can we do that's different? What can we change about how we present our, our stories? Um, and they said, well, no one's it, expecting it for the fourth time. No one, no <laughs> one will expect another ancient rivalry. So here's my pitch to you. Godzilla has an ancient rivalry with his father, Space Godzilla. <laughs> and I was waiting Kong, for it's actually a family drama. Yeah. And then Kong has to save Godzilla's son, who's in the hollow earth. From so, I don't know, Biolante, uh, something like also that. Also, Doug is there, I guess. I yeah. I was talking about a different Doug. Sorry. Uh, no, no, I like that one. So okay, so Rob actually did as funny as this bit was. He actually did segue into possibly what might be part of this movie. Ah, because funny of the enough. backstage stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So uh-huh. okay. So number one, uh, so the Queensland filming that we've actually seen on camera, they filmed on a beach with the. Uh, beachgoers told that something was flying in the sky heading towards them mm-hmm. via the megaphone. So that's really interesting. Does that mean like Rodan's coming back? Or are we just getting a new flying Titan? Like what what's happening here? Um, but this is where it gets a little interesting as well. Um, so uh, we recently learned that there was a deleted scene that was shot that showed off the mysterious mural that showed a weird flying blue Godzilla in space yep. fighting a bunch of Kongs and a bunch of Godzillas on the surface of Earth. Now, obviously, a lot of people, including myself, assume that this is some form of space Godzilla. Um, and I know Rob was joking about it being some sort of ancient rivalry, but I think it does have possibly a potential to skew the ancient rivalry narrative that we learned about Godzilla and Kong and make it and make it different make it that Godzilla so they retcon is, in their own movie actually all these other ancient rivalries they were not ancient rivalries this one though well no 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 this what I mean no, 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 no. I mean I mean the fact I know, that Godzilla I, and Kong's rivalry yeah. was not ever a rivalry yeah. like their species <laughs> we through legends passed out I know I know it was a joke but through legends passed down, this legend has been, um, you know, it's it's been passed yeah. down from word to word. It's lost its meaning. And this whatever space Godzilla thing is, the the Godzilla that ate a star that from the novelization. Yeah. Because Gia says that the, the monster that the Kong species fought against was a uh, was basically the Godzilla that ate a star. And that was always a weird thing. Like we all assumed, oh, that's how he has his nuclear breath. 
or something like that. But then we kind of see that being proven false with this mural because the Godzillas on the ground were all shooting their breath as well, as well as the flying thing shooting the Godzilla breath as, you know, as two. So anyway, it's interesting. The deleted scene, the thing that's really, really interesting about it is we know from Adam Wingard himself that they had a after credit scene shot for GVK that they ended up cutting because they didn't want to tease too far ahead of themselves of what could be coming next. Because they were gonna, this... they were in the phase of retconning their own lore in the midst of that movie. So they're like, who true. knows? <laughs> who knows what the executive producers are going to ultimately want at the end of this? So let's just cut anything that will tease towards a sequel. Yes, because <laughs> because they also were like, we don't even know if we're getting a sequel. Uh, very true. Uh, um, so it, that that side of things is very very interesting. I don't know if it's going to tie directly into this specific movie. Yeah, but it could be a tease of where we're heading. Like if they're going to build up a next villain. Yeah, maybe Space Godzilla isn't going to be the villain in this movie, but maybe he's the the next team up threat. You know, the mm. next Avengers level threat to quote you know the Marvel universe. Yeah. People. Uh, but um, we also learned the shooting title of this movie um is called Origins. Um, now that mm. really does that doesn't tell us anything. <laughs> tells us Wolverine's in it. I mean, yeah, we had Apex was the last one, and that you know you could clean. There's Apex, Nautilus, Nautilus. You uh, know, there's a lot of water sequences where he's submarining through stuff. You know, was it? What he was sure the does other submarine one? a lot. Uh, in that movie, doesn't um, he? Yeah, Kong. Oh god, I can't remember <laughs> the other one. Uh, for um, was it like Tempest Fathom. or something? Fathom. Fathom. Uh, never mind. Yeah, Fathom was the other one. Yeah. So, you know, these shooting titles are meant to make people not know where the movie's being shot. Uh, however, nowadays, because of just modern technology, usually these mm -hmm. working titles get out. So it doesn't really serve any purpose at all. Um, but uh, so the only thing that's really kind of fun is that if you look at the the little clapboard that was released officially at this point because the leak uh, happened, so they were just like, might as well lean into it. So they showed off the the first clapboard for the first day of shooting Origins, and on it, uh, like, there's this weird crystalline pattern behind the text, and I, you know, I, some of that might just be me looking for something where it's yeah. not there. It is also I, just the way that Adam Wingard likes to color things. It's neon lines, you know. Yeah, it's just blue. What is it called? It's, it's by lighting. You know, bisexual which, lighting is what maybe? it's called, right? Yeah, the <laughs> maybe we're gonna lighting. learn a lot more about Kong in this next one. I don't there know. You go. Yeah, um, maybe that's what they're leaning into is the Tumblr pages. <laughs> He's a bicon, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, so that's that's interesting. Um. And then um, let's see. To keep with the movie for a second, then we got to move to the TV shows for just a brief second. Um. Oh yeah. The last news we have on the movie is that. We did get another synopsis for the movie, which once again, I said earlier, kind of leans towards that maybe split movie idea where it's going to take place on the surface and in the hollow earth. Yeah. Uh, where it was a, it was a press. It's, it came from the weirdest places as every piece of news from this movie has come from weird places. <laughs> this came from a, the government of Australia's description Australia. of the movie on an official press release from the government, not, legendary not anybody else from the government hmm. so um it says uh the fifth film in the monsterverse franchise will see kong defend the earth from an unusual and uh, dangerous creatures that threaten his new home 
And then this part came from a separate article, but it had the exact same synopsis and it came from a same similar source. There was a second sentence added there, which leads to the Godzilla side of things where it says, but something is happening above two. So hmm. something is happening on the surface and something is happening in the hollow earth. I don't know if they're going to be related threats or they're going to be two different threats that are two heroes are fighting at the same time. Um, I, I, I've read a lot of fan theories about uh, something. I mean, I, I would kill for uh, Rob joked about it earlier, but Biolante would be really interesting as a threat. If like, what if her roots got all the way down to the hollow earth? So Kong is fighting off like the bottom part of her with all the vines and the like mouth pieces and stuff like that. And then you have Godzilla on the surface fighting the big body of like a Biolante. Mm. Like that could be kind mm. of interesting if they were like okay, fighting yeah. it together, but like separate at the same time. Like you could do some really interesting things with that. I don't know if that's going to be true. Obviously, we ha we know barely anything about this movie um, because Legendary is just playing it close to the vest for some reason. I have no idea why. Um, but because they're uh, currently rewriting as they're filming, <laughs> they're like, no, 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 no. Hold on. <laughs> they're they're um, they're audience testing every single shot, every single thing. Every single, yeah. <laughs> Going back, and Adam's like, all right, man, sure. <laughs> They so, have a whiteboard and they've scratched out ancient rivalry, age old rivalry, different long ways to rivalry. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So, um, staying in the MonsterVerse for just a split second, there's a couple more little tidbits here. So, at the same time as this movie is being filmed, the live action TV show is being filmed as well. Um, and the live action TV show, uh, the Monarch show that we all know is coming. Uh, that's going to be on Apple TV. Um, so we've gotten a couple of little other teases of what might be going on um, with uh, the cast and how this is going to work. Mm. So we knew that the two Russells had been cast. So one of the big rumors uh, was is that Wyatt Russell was, was going to play the young version of Kurt Russell. And Kurt Russell was going to play the older version in like modern in, in 2014. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that has pretty much been confirmed. Um because uh, a lot of the shooting that they were just doing where Wyatt Russell was seen on set was done up like the 1950s. Oh. So like the cars, the costumes, everything was like 1950s style. So some part of the show is going to take place probably in the lead up to nuking Godzilla uh, at the Bikini Atoll. So that's that's kind of that's kind of giving a little bit of confirmation to that rumor that, you know, Kurt Russell will probably play his same character in 2014 yeah. after reemerged, um, which is interesting. I it, it, like the dual timeline aspect of that could I be also kind of deeply prefer that to CGIing Kurt Russell to look. Oh better, yeah. You know? Cause that I'd always that looks so weird. Any day, any day of the week. Even, I will say even that. in the best case scenarios, it's still like uh, the slip slide to away from like just hiring an actor, just like yeah. hire a guy to do the guy. Like it's, yeah, it's fine. Hire a guy. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. It, uh, Disney has set a really weird precedence with that kind of thing, and I'm yeah. glad that Apple is not falling into it. <laughs> or Legendary is not falling into it. Um, because yeah, I mean, we all know like everybody, everybody knew like, hey, Sebastian Stan looks a lot like Mark Hamill when he was this age, <sighs> and Mark Hamill would love for that to be the casting, and then Disney was like, no, no, CGI face. We're not seeing <laughs> a man. Listen, it's cheaper for us to hire uh, 800 uh, intern uh, VFX artists 
and starve them out while we and then yeah. like you know Disney's always been like I'd rather die than hire an actor. <laughs> Not always. This is definitely oh, a man. modern era problem. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel is. like they were like begrudgingly because um, the technology wasn't there yet. Yeah, fair. Like, um, fine. <laughs> so two two more uh, things in the MonsterVerse before we move on. Number one, uh, uh, this is this is uh, something that I should have kept in the movie sequence. So we knew Dan Stevens was going to be the lead role in this uh, Godzilla's Kong sequel. Yeah. Uh, of course, we had not any idea who he was going to play. We just know that he's worked with Adam before. That's why he's here. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, Dan Stevens is a great, he's a good actor. And he stuff, is. So I'm excited. Uh, but we actually did find out who he's going to be playing at least a little bit. Um, so uh, a call sheet for the film uh, was taken a picture of. And it, next to his character, it was, he was listed as Stephen Randa. Now, if you don't remember who the Randa name belongs to, if you go back all the way to Kong Skull Island, Bill Randa, a.k.a. played by John Goodman, oh, uh, yeah. is the guy that took them to Skull Island and so on and so forth. So uh, he is probably going to be playing the grandson of uh, uh, okay. Bill Randa, which I, I, I think that's, I mean... Something that the MonsterVerse has had for better or worse, but I kind of am starting to see it as a good trend within its own universe, is the the, the MonsterVerse films really focus on family lineage and, and family a lot. It's a film about uh, family. It's a film about ancient connections. <laughs> ancient families. <laughs> <laughs> um but no, I mean, think about it. Every single movie has been about a family dynamic. Yeah. 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, Skull Island is probably the only one that wasn't. But everything else. Well, were uh, they a the found monsters, family? They were. Yeah, in a way. John C. Uh, Riley and the other guys. And there Kong. you go. Kong was their baby. Well, actually, you know what? No, just John C. Riley is a family character because he's trying to get oh, back to his family. Oh, that's true. Trying yeah. to get back to his family. And then yeah. he does get back to his family. And I really enjoyed um, that sequence. That was, yep. was a cute scene. So, so yeah. So, apparently, he's going to play the distant relative of uh, uh, Bill Randa, which is great. I think that's a cool way to tie things in, especially if his character is going to be down in the Hollow Earth studying Kong. Like, I feel like that's something that would really fit with, like, where he would go as, like, my grandfather's the one that discovered Kong in the first place, you know, kind of a thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, we don't know much more than that. We just know that his name is Stephen Randa. And, of course, that set up the red flags for everybody in the fandom being like, hey. <laughs> it's going to be so funny uh, if it's just a coincidence. Like, he's not yeah, related. They and forgot like, what they like, named John Goodman's character. Like, Randa, John Goodman, Randa, and he's like, "Oh no, no relation." And then they never address it ever again. Just one sequence at the be, very beginning. It's gonna be as bad as the Serizawa uh, <laughs> thing, just not going anywhere. Oh, jeez, um, <laughs> don't. I know. All right, last thing that I have to do, and it's it, uh, it's a Kyle soapbox, but it's a very short one. I just wanted to talk about something that a lot of fans have been talking about since <laughs> something bad has happened in the industry recently. Um. So Warner Brothers and Discovery had a huge merger uh, with each other uh, where I think WB bought Discovery, but like the leaders of Discovery are in charge of Warner Brothers. It's it's this weird thing. Anyway, so we've seen a lot of things uh, where things are getting canceled um, and especially stuff to do with HBO Max specifically. Uh, mean, I know. Hold on. Do you mean projects being canceled or things being like projects, quote unquote, canceled that both? were both conservative? <laughs> Possibly both. Possibly mostly, both. Mostly, uh, mostly the former, a bit of the latter. 
Yes. Right. Uh, of course, the most famous one is uh, the Batgirl movie that was 90% of the way being done yep. filming, and they completely are just like, yeah, we're never going to release this. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, the okay. The Scooby-Doo uh, movie was, most, was like 80% done and was just like uh, also speaking got of, canned. Speaking of VFX artists in an industry that is not playing well to them, they walked into work one day and were like, hey, our movie's been canceled. And you're like, what? Sorry, pardon? <laughs> Yeah, you have no more work. You're unemployed now, officially. You're Sorry. unemployed. Congratulations. Um, Congratulations. So it's it's been sending people it's been sending people into a lot of like doomsaying and and for to be perfectly honest with this specific instance, I completely understand it. Like it's very uncertain. Like everything that we thought about what we knew where DC was going to go with their movies, like you know with uh, Michael Keaton being brought in to kind of replace Ben Affleck and all that yeah. stuff, now is like. I don't know. Like, and mm. the Flash movie is still in a weird limbo state because Ezra Miller finally got arrested. Anyway, they finally tracked them down. Finally caught him. Which, by the way, real quick before They're I move too on to fast. my point, <laughs> did you know? Did you know that he filmed extra scenes for the Flash wow. while on the run? Yeah, from the cops. That's that's insane. They were like <laughs> dipping into the studio, like wiping sweat <laughs> off their brow and like checking out, like the, they're closing the blinds and, out and like, okay, okay, I can do another shot. What's the line? And then they're jumping in the suit, saying the line. And then like the cops kick down the door and they just run out of the room. <laughs> I just yeah, I are like, so many they're too fast. About, <laughs> I cannot wait for the true crime podcast. That's yes. just about Ezra Miller's. Yes. <laughs> Rampage. Uh, I will watch the hell out of that. Anyway, yeah. So let's get something clear with the MonsterVerse. Yeah, so the MonsterVerse, <laughs> the oh, MonsterVerse is made by Legendary Pictures. It is distributed by Warner Brothers. Now, what that means is, is that Legendary is putting forth all the money, all the effort like all the everything to do with making of the film. Yeah. They're the ones doing that. Warner brothers is the one that's paying the fees to get the movie into theaters and to get it to, uh, you know, other countries and blah, 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 blah. They don't get a tax Um, benefit for the movie being a flop because they didn't produce the movie. The reason that a lot of people are freaked out is because they're like, they're canceling net, like their online shows and they're canceling movies and they can count that as a loss and they're not releasing yes. uh, physical media because again, they can count it as a loss. So exactly. basically they did all this corporate merger stuff, which is just like buku bucks for CEOs. And then to ensure that no money gets lost from the acquisition of that huge amount of wealth. They're now saying, mm. sorry, we had to cancel a bunch of projects. Sorry, sorry. Uh, huge, yeah, you had no choice. A million tax write-offs, basically. So I can so see why point, people are scared. It, we yes. should make it Tokyo Lives merch. Like, it's a t-shirt that says, <laughs> capitalism is bad for art. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> they cannot coexist. Um, no, yeah. So as Rob was about to say, like, yeah, for sure. I understand why people are getting freaked out. I yeah. understand why everybody's like, it's oh, my God, they're part just going to cancel the monster plan. <laughs> Right, yeah. Are they going to cancel the MonsterVerse? Um, so I'm not saying that it couldn't happen. I am saying that the chance is very, very low. And the reason why it's very, very low is because what will happen is is if if Warner Brothers decided to go, we don't want free money from your franchise, we're not going to distribute it anymore, which 
that completely goes against everything of the decisions that they're making right now. Because the, once again, the reason why they're canceling these movies is because they'd rather just get the tax write off, even if they don't get the full amount back than to release a movie and it bomb. Yeah. Like, so to, to have a sure bet of releasing a film that they didn't produce where they're just going to get a percentage back from the box office. That's a stupid decision financially for them, especially right now. So I doubt it's going to happen, but if it did, if Warner Brothers decided to be, the absolute jerks, and they were just like, we're just, we're done. We don't want the MonsterVerse anymore. Legendary then would have the rights to go to every other studio <laughs> in Hollywood and be like, hey, do you want this franchise? Do you want to distribute this franchise? And I guarantee you, somebody would pick it up. Someone. Yeah. I don't know who, but someone would. Universal is probably the best example I could give because Universal would be looking at it with dollar signs. <laughs> Universal would be looking at it going, oh, you mean to tell me we could have a Godzilla and Kong ride at all of our Universal Studios properties? Like, You mean to and... tell me we could have a Fast and Furious crossover with the MonsterVerse? <laughs> there you mm. go. <laughs> and, and they have You a, mean the... Vin Diesel could drive a car down Godzilla's back? There's a there's a whiteboard somewhere, and they're like oh, yeah. target demographic, and it's just a photocopy of me. <laughs> like, how do we, how do we get and this guy? <laughs> the re- another reason why I bring up Universal is because Universal is in a weird place with the Jurassic franchise right now. Yeah, where they just ended a, th- a trilogy. They are still they are planning stuff in the future, but not in the very near future so they could use another franchise that would be giving them free money while they are waiting for the next part of the Jurassic franchise. So, and, and as we've seen, technically we've already seen this happen. Legendary is not afraid to take their franchise and give it out to somebody else with the Apple TV show. Yeah. They could have hold held back and been like HBO max. You're, you're our guy. Like you distribute all the MonsterVerse films. We're going to let you get first bidding and we're, or we're going to go with you. But instead they went for whoever bid the most and Apple TV outbid HBO max. So they legendary is not afraid to go anywhere with this franchise right now. After GVK, this, this franchise is officially considered a financial success. Uh, it's, it's considered a big financial success. So yeah. just don't, don't doomsday the franchise on Warner Brothers' weird-ass decisions that they're making. Can we doomsday the franchise of, why don't we have a title for this movie? Why is it so mysterious? Well, you know, like, is there a five-year plan? Yeah, is there a five-year plan for the MonsterVerse, or is this the new in- ending of the MonsterVerse, quote-unquote? <laughs> you know, like, what is this? Like, yes, you can doomsday about that. Doomsday about the Kong Skull Island show, which we have no idea, like, if it's coming out or not. Um, that's fine. Like, but yeah, that's all I have to say about it. So, um, just, just once again, just, if you're, if you're a fan of movies, learn the difference between a distributor and the maker of the film. Not on my watch. I refuse to learn. (laughs) I refuse to do a simple gurgle, Google search, gurgle, 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 search. All right. So. Next three items are very, very quickly. I'm just going to beast through them real quick. Yeah. So, number one. Uh, so, we've got a uh, sequel to the Godzilla Monsters and Protectors comic series that came out. Uh, so, this comic series was the one that was uh, targeted to the middle school-aged uh, kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 it, the, it, it was... That's uh, preteens. Young adults? Uh, preteens? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the, the actual... Yeah, Queens? but... 
anyway, so it's it's a direct sequel to that. It takes place a year later after the end of the first comic where Godzilla has not been seen since his big battle versus uh, the Treadmasters by Alante, which they brought in, which is amazing, which we're going to get there when we have to cover that comic. Nice. Um, but uh, it's coming out very, very soon. I think it comes out next month uh, is is when the first uh, first issue of it comes out. Um, so IDW is still – they've still done a lot of their Rivals comics, the Godzilla like one-on-one comics that they've been doing. Um, are they ancient? Uh, some of them were. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, That's but, all I need uh, for my rivalries. They also introduced a new, new new form of Godzilla, a new like burning Godzilla mode that was really, really cool in oh. the Ghidorah fight. Um, yeah, it was really fun. Super God, super burning Godzilla. He's got like he's got like like red veins like growing Ooh. out of everywhere, like going up his neck into his eyes that are like just red like irises at this point. Oh, like it looks okay. it looks really cool. Uh, it's another cool like Godzilla super super form, which <laughs> I'm always down for. Um, so uh, the next one is another really quick one. Uh, so there's a game coming out called called The Lost Wild. Oh uh, yeah. It's a it's like a dinosaur survival first person shooter horror game. Uh, looks really really good. Yeah. Uh, there's a trailer for it. Uh, it. The biggest thing about this is this game actually uh, we knew about this game for a little bit. We didn't know anything about like its release date or anything like that. Um, the biggest news with this is that Anna Purina Interactive is publishing the game that was made by an indie studio. Whoa. So it's an indie studio game and it's being published by Anna Purina, which is a little bit of a bigger studio. Hmm. So. So that's good stuff. Um, I, I think I posted the trailer onto our page whenever yes. the trailer released. It looked really, really cool. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's coming, I think they said early next year, I think. Um, so yeah, should be should be cool. Um, and then the final piece of news, it, it sounds like great news, but unfortunately for us in the United States, it's not perfect news. Okay, oh. so Shin Ultraman had... Uh, has had multiple uh, film festival releases in mm-hmm. the states so far, Yay. Uh, so including means... one. Nope. Not oh. Yet. <laughs> including one that actually one of our patrons went to and told us uh, told us what they thought of the film. Mm. Uh, but uh, so the article from Super Eye Straight says. Making waves in North America, Shin Ultraman international release confirmed. And when I saw that news go on our timeline, I was like, "Yes, we now we know we we can we can see what it, when's it coming out." Uh, and they're just like literally in the first paragraph, they're just like, "Well, I don't know when it's coming around in America yet, but here's all these other countries where it's coming out." And it's like, "What? What?" <laughs> uh, um, and I mean, modern all- uh, modern <laughs> article writers love to own you. They love they love to really prank you with the title. Really know? get really get under your really Josh you, really boy. yank your chain. You click on yeah. that and then the first line is always like, okay, not really, but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like starting in Singapore on September first, Shin Ultraman has come to thirty seven countries and regions in Asia, the Middle East, and Africa, with plans to release in Europe and North and South America coming soon. To be like, fair, to be <sighs> fair, to it does be confirm fair. It does confirm it. It does confirm it. <laughs> but also, finally putting us in our place, right? I mean, like, how many fans do we have? I've been have riding too high for too long. In, like, I admit it. You know, Spain and Germany that have to wait, like, six months later to get, like, you know, a movie that we got, in, like, du- like mainlined from Japan. Yeah. You know? So, it's you true. Know, take that, American fans of Ultraman. You guys have <laughs> been riding on the hog for too long. 
these these fans that are all pretty much new fans that have co- yeah. probably come into being like within the last like year and a half. Yeah, with all the releases, uh, with all the like releases and yeah. uh, like all the Super I like day day yeah. posts on YouTube. I like, mean, you with... can just go down to Barnes and Noble and pick up any number of Ultraman series That's on a true. full box set with lots of extras. Yeah, it's true. Uh, yep. I mean, you sure yeah. anyway, <sighs> so. Yeah, so eventually <laughs> we will be getting a North American release. Once again, as Rob said, it does confirm it. It's going to happen. <laughs> we just don't know when. Um, and uh, yeah, so for everybody that lives in all those all those Asian countries that it is going to, congratulations. I'm happy you're going to be able to see it. Honestly, like legitimately, I'm happy you're going to be able to see it. For us fans in America, I am frustrated because like – I, I want to see this movie. I, like, I want it. I want it. I, I want to see it. I want to see it. Uh, you know, I, uh, give me that. Give me that. Give me that thing. Um, give me that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I, I'm excited for that to eventually happen and first eventually see it. Um, but, uh, yeah, we got to wait a little longer guys. So hold your horses. <laughs> Maybe you guys are going to wait a little longer. I'm globe trotting. Oh yeah. For 1375 <laughs> I mean, Cameron will stow away on a, on a, a shipping container. Fair. I will there show, was... I will stow away in a shipping container. I will continue to run my after school classes through, um, <laughs> I, I one actively... of those like TV screen robots they use at hospitals. There you go. I actively looked at the two, the two big ones that were it premiered at and in the North America, one was in Canada, one was here in New York. Um, I actually actively looked at those two as possibilities for like one or more, one or two of us to go to, but the problem was is that not, neither of them had a confirmation on the the day that it was showing. So as we'd part be of the there for festival. like a week for the full fil- uh, festival. For the fi- yeah, just to see shit Ultraman. It was like, <laughs> oh man, like I don't know if we can do that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we'll have to wait and see. But um, anyway, uh, well, we've got a, a giant ant movie to talk about. So yeah, uh, we do. Rob, take us into the break. Pick my spirits back up. After these messages will be right. <laughs> it's them! It's them! Release the just talking about them <laughs> oh yeah no i was thinking about something else oh okay <laughs> yeah uh we're back and we're talking about 1954's them Ooh, them excuse them. me and say it correctly um the probably one of the great of uh, the great american ant movie yeah the, the great, great american ant movie. you know the great I american mean, ant i think movie. it's i think it's it's them followed by bug's life followed by ants Oh, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I actually, actually like Ants more than Bugs Life. Well, mm. controversial take, but I'll say that above above those two, I, I'm, I'm sorry, it's it's them followed by Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Yeah, because yes, that was a yes. very good ant. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any other ant movies I'm forgetting? <laughs> I mean, was, okay, I saw I mean, one I on the Sci-Fi Ant-Man Channel. With Anthony. Yeah, those were also movie. cute ants. Anthony and then Antoinette. Antonio Banderas in the in the second movie. Those were good ones. Uh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. 
What are we talking about? Uh, uh, we're talking about this movie. It came out in no. 1954. Ooh. Uh, Bef- yeah. This is, uh, I think, interesting, again, because it is a pre-Godzilla kaiju movie. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. It really set uh, the ground. It really helped, you know, finalize <laughs> the messaging in uh, in Godzilla, if you think about it. Because, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> where, I, would, as... where would Godzilla be without them? <laughs> as much as a joke it is, I actually have to give props to this movie for... Um, taking the nuclear concept relatively seriously, uh, yeah. like the mutation aspect of these ants, uh, was handled pretty well. Uh, I have more to say about that specifically later, but oh, and the, uh, the ending where they tried to do their own uh beast from 20,000 Fathoms was yeah, was beauty that killed the beast, yeah, well, no, not yeah. quite, but they do they have their own little like uh spiel, at it's, the end. it's the Godzilla yeah. thing. I mean, it's yeah, beast from 20,000 Fathoms did it. Godzilla twenty or two or nineteen fifty four does it as well with like the final Yamani like speech of like yeah oh if we don't if we don't clean our mess up there's gonna be more Godzillas you know it's kind of that same yeah. feeling at the end of this movie but yeah. before we get to the end of this movie Cameron uh, do you want to do the plot of this movie uh, gosh I'd love to um <laughs> so the film opens in the the stark yet beautiful New Mexico desert yes. land of enchantment baby. Um, <laughs> Land of Enchantment, baby. Land of the, the Minix slash Pickets. Yes. Oh. <laughs> it definitely feels it definitely feels like a lot of this, or the first half of this takes place in and around the White Sands Army base. Yeah. Oh, it definitely does. That's where they were That's where it was filmed. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, okay. They did not want to go very far. Um, <laughs> yeah, so a, um, uh, a local pilot is helping two state troopers uh, locate a... A uh, missing person. They find a little girl wandering in the desert. She is completely catatonic. Mm-hmm. Um, they drive her into the station. They find a trailer, which they, you know, discover uh, some clues that this is where she lived and where the thing happened. Oh. The thing being, the entire back half of the trailer has been completely ripped out. Um, and there's nobody found inside. He does there's find just a pistol. One footstep. Foot footprint. One. There's one super weird looking footprint that nobody yeah, has ever a, seen before. Why is it always a singular footprint this entire movie? Just it's always one. one. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It's a little weird. I don't know, man. <laughs> the ant occasionally <laughs> lifts up his foot real tall and goes bonk. It stomps. Yeah, it really stomps. <laughs> Ooh, I think man. they were leaving and the other ants were like, Harold, it's time to leave. And Harold was like, no. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not done yet. Yeah, I'm having real fun. Fit. Anyway. I'm having a good time. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, they do a full crime scene investigation, which is one of the interesting aspects about this movie because we get multiple sort of like almost CSI-esque. Yeah. What happened here? Yeah, everyone is completely baffled. Um, anyway, the girl gets taken into a hospital. Um, where I try not to think about the kind of care that uh, people with uh, uh, mental disorders or mental trauma got okay. in the 50s. Um, yeah. yeah, you're right, because uh, it's not until, the, not until the 70s things got a little bit better, and then, then uh, the 80s happened, and we were like, what if we just honestly just defunded all these, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Um, yeah, so she's uh, she's getting treated. Meanwhile, they decide they're going to go check in with uh, Gramps Johnson at his general store to see if uh, he saw anything. They get there. Similar scene. The inside of the store is ransacked. There's a huge hole in the wall. And Johnson has been 
seemingly beaten to death in the basement. Yeah, he's he's got he's all totally the signs. Still breathing, by the way. All he's got oh, yeah, all the signs breathe, of uh, a homicidal maniac attack. He's 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 gotten his his head crunched, his back broken, uh, and he's been injected with gallons of uh, formaldehyde acid or whatever formic yes. acid. Formic yeah. acid. Formic acid. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you know things that a homicidal maniac does. <laughs> you know, I think I would. Anyway, um, what? Hold on, <laughs> don't worry about it. Uh, so uh, the our 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 main state trooper, Captain Eyebrows, decides he's going to go back to the station, and he leaves his partner there to sort of secure the scene, and they'll look at it when he gets back. Eyebrows' uh, partner is like, "I'm I'm bailing out. You you watch the fort." You watch the fort, and then they give each other a like the predator handshake, the fifties version of the predator handshake. I can't wait to see you tomorrow, best friend. Nothing bad's going to happen tomorrow. to you. He gives him a gentle kiss on each cheek and the forehead, and then he leaves. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, his partner hears one of my favorite monster sounds ever, um, and uh, goes to investigate. Strange sound outside. We hear gunshots and the classic fifties. Oh yeah, there's um, so many Wilhelm screams in this movie. By there's the way. two, oh, three. There's three, but yeah, this yeah. first one I is put, not a Wilhelm. No, no this is just a guy in front of the microphone going, ah! <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Ibra, uh, we go to the uh, station much later. Uh, Eyebrows Chan is very upset with himself. Ooh, gosh. Um, and we are introduced to the FBI agent, Robert uh, something else. I forgot his last uh, name. Gra- uh, Graham. Robert Graham. Robert Graham. Graham. I was, okay. I was almost there. Yeah, you were almost there. I was almost there. Um, from the FBI to come and investigate. He looks at the footprint. He sends it off. Uh, this attracts the attention of the Doctors Medford. Yeah. Um, a father and daughter science team of pharmacologists. I love that this eventually becomes a trope. But I feel like it this does. is probably the movie that like started it, which is the old man doctor and then his attractive daughter. Yes. Uh, yeah. And I feel like that, and they're they're both equally scientifically competent, but mostly the dad talks. But we're sure that the daughter is also uh, a good scientist. And everyone goes, yeah. "Wow, wowie zowie! I'd sure like to get a look at those ankles." If she's a medical doctor, I wish I had a fever. I think I got a fever. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, having watched Black Scorpion first instead of this one, and and watching this oh, one, uh, one, yeah, this trope is way worse in Black Scorpion. Oh, so, oh yeah, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll we'll talk about that more there. <laughs> but uh yes, the doctors Medford come to investigate. Can't yeah. <laughs> doctors Medford come to investigate. Uh our heroes say some really pretty gross stuff about his daughter. And they go in to look at our key piece of evidence, the footprint. <gasps> mm-hmm. The doctor also has no idea what it could be. But so they decide to investigate the area. Yeah. And a uh, a sandstorm's been kicking up, so visibility is pretty bad. Yeah. And they put on these super cool little goggles. <laughs> the the father, who is a brilliant scientist, has to be told that the goggles go on his eyes. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. We'll talk about the scientist in, in, speak, in a little bit. I just want to like them. say real quick, as a guy who has spent a lot of time wandering around deserts in New Mexico from youth to teen to adulthood. <laughs> Uh, no one has ever given me like sand goggles. All right. No. So how come it's just like, that's just like a known practice back in the set. <laughs> and meanwhile, no masks, right? Like yeah. they didn't yeah. care about lung health back then. Cigarettes were good right. for you. 
But like mm-hmm. eye health also important. And we just like, I guess, gave up on eye protection in the desert yep. now. <laughs> Don't worry. Yeah, about well, it. sand goggles <laughs> lost funding. That funding went to the military. Oh, fair. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so they, uh, they do the thing. The only thing you can do in horror movies when you're investigating something, they split up. Oh, yep. uh, the female scientist goes off to, uh, to investigate some stuff. We hear again, my favorite sound. And she, uh, kind of looks towards it quizzically. Yeah. Uh, really good face acting. Yeah. For the, for the fifties. Uh, and we get our first glimpse as it crests a hill, a giant ant with big kissable lips. Um, crests the hill, and she gives one of my uh, one of my favorite fifties uh, scream queen screams. Is that ah! <laughs> just really? Oh, it was a good one. Yeah. Uh, the other guys show up as she uh, runs away. Uh, Captain Eyebrows and uh, Agent Graham are shooting at it with their little revolvers. Yeah. And the doctor's like, shoot the antennae, and they <laughs> they do. Uh, but they, they keep coming. Uh, eyebrows cute and runs back to his car and comes back with a Tommy gun, which, <laughs> why do you have that? You know, um, that's a, I feel I, like that's a conversation for after the plot. Cause that's... like, I, I guess I'm glad you do in this case. And he just really lays into those ants just like, ah, like yeah. he's back at Iwo Jima. Just really, really gets him. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Lots of lots yeah. of lots of uh, second secondary uh, military grade weapons just available to this police just guy in the public. Yeah, yeah I think we're public. supposed to assume that both of these guys like served our in ex, World War Two. Our ex military, yeah. but they shouldn't yeah. just like have like their guns. They both use they both <laughs> use flamethrowers very very well. Oh yeah, yeah they just get flamethrowers. Huh. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Hmm. Anyway, so now they know what uh, what caused all the damage and killed all those people. It's giant ants. ants. Oh my gosh! And you're like, well, how? Uh, huh? How, how do we, we proceed? Uh, <laughs> hmm. So Doctor Medford is like, don't worry, I'm a pharmacologist, but I also know everything there is to know about, about ants. ants and how <laughs> um, to kill them. <laughs> and I, more importantly, I know how to kill them. I'm a pharmacologist, and I also have a thriving lawn. <laughs> so, so his first plan is we've got to find we've got to find the ant hole. We got to find the ant hole and fill it full of nasty gas. Which okay, no, no. His first plan is we'll oh, yeah, just fill gonna, it with water. Yeah. And uh, first off, a no, that won't work. Uh, no, that's what are you talking about? He's he literally. He the funny thing is, is he literally later in the movie explains why it won't work. Yeah. So like, I don't know why, it, like, at all that was... But anyway, then he's like, oh, oh, there's no water that we can get into the middle of the desert? That's crazy. Well, I, I guess we could just this. use, I don't know, gas or something. We'll use cyanide. <laughs> the military guys want to just blow the nest up, and I guess the scientist is thinking that that will throw giant ants for miles, so <laughs> don't... Which- if you've ever thrown like an M40 or whatever, the little fireworks into an ant hole, like it's that's exactly true. what it does. That's exactly <laughs> what it does. Because you think it's going to be cool and you're going to get rid of all these ants in a cool flashy way. No, the no, ants no. are everywhere and, and they're furious and confused. Ants, and you're scared. You're screaming. Which makes the ants more scared. Anyway, they decide that they are going Everyone's to. covered in ants and you're like, I don't Everyone's know Everyone's covered in ants. Um, so they decide that they are going to shoot bazookas filled with phosphorus. Around yes. the uh, opening of the ant mound, so the ants won't come out. Yep. And then they're just going to throw a whole bunch of gas grenades in there. Yeah. Like a whole bunch. Just you a bunch wouldn't of believe. Cyanide gas grenades. Yep. Cyanide gas grenades. Um, 
you know, heavy gas that clings to the floor, which gives us a pretty spectacular set later. Ooh, yeah. Um, also, I guess because it's their birthday, it's Robert Graham and Doc, uh, Captain Eyebrows' birthdays, they get to shoot the bazookas. Yeah. With, well, <laughs> so. because there's a sequence where, like, the captain is the one that's, like, loading the bazooka. And he's like, I never had to use one of these. And then the cap, uh, Eyebrows coon is like, yeah, well, I have. All right? And I've never had to give commands to a general before. So just pat my head like I'm a good little boy, and then I'll fire this bazooka. Yeah. And then the, the I'm captain very goes, interested. Pet, 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 pet. I'm very interested in Eyebrows Coon. He says some stuff that I think was just like they were just writing lines, but like <laughs> now that we know about like PTSD and what happens to soldiers who come home from war, it's like oh, oh, there's some there's some shadows on this man's heart. Anyway, oh, jeez. Uh, there's a super rad sequence of them just shooting bazookas at a hole. Yeah. Like a lot. Like they shoot like four or five rockets at that hole. Um then once the flames die down a little bit, they uh Graham and Eyebrows suit up in like gas safety suits. Yep, yep. And go over and uh one ant tries to come out and they're like, Get out of here, you little jerk. <laughs> uh lays into him with the Tommy gun again, because I guess he just takes it everywhere with him now. And honestly, I can't blame him. Yeah, this there's giant point. ants out there. Yeah. Um <laughs> they absolutely nail it with cyanide grenades. Um this kills all the ants. Yep. Uh but they go down with um Ms. Scientist, the daughter Medford, um, in a really cool set, like mm -hmm. classic, like inside the anthill with the uh, cyanide gas still clinging to the ground. Uh, they've got big gas masks on and uh, they find the egg chamber and find that uh, before they destroyed the nest, uh, a couple queens, two queens and some mating males winged, Yeah, all of them have uh, escaped the nest and flown off to God knows where. Oh, no. Which is concerning. Um, <laughs> eventually, we find that uh, the queen um, start, tries to start a nest on a boat because she doesn't know what a boat is. She, she um, just flew which, southward because there was a strong gust of wind and there was a hole on the boat. So she was like, yeah, it turns out when cool. bugs fly, if the wind blows, they're just like, well, I guess I'm going this way now. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, it's a pretty cool sequence of a boat being attacked by ants and a guy desperately trying to like, and then he gets eaten by an ant. He's being dragged away from the Morse code tapper as he's like, one of the other, the, the, the Wilhelm screams. Yeah. Yeah. The Wilhelm screams. Um, Leonard Nimoy is informed, who then uh, he passes the <laughs> note on to someone who can actually do something about it. Um, yeah, they uh, they sink that boat. So that queen, toast. So we still got one more. They, um, through uh, some more detective work and questioning some guys at the local, it's not the drunk tank. It's like an alcoholic hospital, but it's the 50s. So it's, you know. Nobody's getting fixed. They're just getting yelled at. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, like, it's like an insane asylum for drunk people. Yeah. Like, it, it's weird. It's, it's, it's very, very sad. Um, yeah. But yeah, they find out that uh, the ants are in the Los Angeles uh, Arroyo system. Yep. And uh, they have hostages. Two boys <laughs> that could still be alive. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, one of my favorite performances in the movie, a uh, distraught widow who <laughs> identified her husband's body and doesn't know where her kids are. Um, but yeah, eventually, um, 
And this is following Dr. Medford uh, referencing the ants are the only creature besides man who wage war. Uh, we go to war with the ants. A big, whole bunch of army guys march into the sewers and do a triumphant push back on the ants. Uh, the boys are found. Yeah. Uh, Captain Eyebrows uh, is crushed by an ant, but not before he saves those boys. He saves the boys and then is dispatched with. And he, he's Goddamn a damn hero. I saved boys. Filled with I men. got them. I filled with they're acid. All... They're okay. <laughs> I've got so much acid in me. Oh, my body. Not the fun kind. And then he dies. Um, <laughs> Props to them for killing a main character, though. I didn't MK. expect Yeah, that takes guts. Well, they had, this, they were like, time. we can kill off the ugly one, the handsome FBI guy, uh, baby man, <laughs> who has consistently oversized jackets throughout the entire thing. Oh, my so he, God. He looks he always, hilarious He always looks time. like a kid dressed in his dad's clothes. It's very funny yep. because everyone else is dressed in form-fitting clothes. Like, spectacularly. <laughs> everyone else is very well-dressed. <laughs> what happened he here, looks bud? hilarious. I think that, you know, it was hard to be uh, tall in the 50s. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, um, yeah, so we get a, a cool, uh, the army advancing into the sewers and hitting more ants with more flamethrowers, which, again, lots of good flamethrower action in this oh, movie. Oh, boy. They're all oh, furry. Boy. All the little uh, ant model, or ant prop things yeah the, the, the ants that they built go right up i are they they're they're puppets i guess that's yeah, they're, a, they're a they're right puppets. way to yeah. call them yeah they're, they're not big, suits they're there's like... not a guy in there <laughs> no no, no, <laughs> like no some no. of them are on like i think push carts yeah, yeah they're, um, big old, they're big old puppets yeah big old puppets yeah uh they find the egg chamber they absolutely <laughs> go scorched earth on these ants yeah and then they the audio really give it to him. The audio cuts out in the middle, so it's like it's all the screaming and ant noises, and then it cuts to the the main characters, and the audio just goes. Boop. Anyway, it's time anyway, for us to talk about the ramifications what of nuclear here. weapons. <laughs> yeah, Doctor Medford uh, reassures everybody that yep, we got it. The ants are done for, but uh, he says. When man entered the atomic age, he opened a door to a new world. <laughs> What's in that new world, no one can predict. So, yeah, that's a good line. And everybody just kind of stares at him as uh, the movie fades to credits. <laughs> I was like, wait, so you mean there could be like Godzilla's at? And then like the audio cuts out again. Are you talking <laughs> about some kind of Godzilla? And then it goes straight to the credits <laughs> of the scary yep. 50s music. Are you talking about some kind of gorilla whale? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you're Dracula. Uh, <laughs> some kind of Dracula. But yeah, yeah so that's the movie. It's great. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Oh, boy. It's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I, I, I thought that it was really, really interesting that... Um, so this is one of those movies that I'd seen clips of, like, a lot, that yeah. I never watched the whole thing as a whole. Um, so it was really interesting seeing how this was more of a more of a detective story almost than yeah. a monster movie at times. And I think it works for this movie like really, really well. I yeah. think that it sets it aside from like beast from 20,000 fathoms and black scorpion, which we'll talk about ne later this month where it's not, it's not just a fifties B movie monster movie. Like it's got its own like stuff going on. Yeah. It's got its own it like is... investigative plot. Like there's I don't know. sometimes it really hits really well. I think the opening the first third Ooh, when it really before so you introduce the actual ant i was oh, actually yeah. shocked when they like you see the ant like i was like i wonder how long they're gonna build this up and then they they don't ever lag like they don't spend too much time on the mystery 
to reveal the ant. And then like it becomes no, a proper no. monster movie. And then you get this next wave of investigation when they're looking for the boys uh, mm-hmm. and like trying to find where the ants go. I think the middle investigation is my least favorite, but uh, Kyle will talk starts about to drag that. a little bit of yeah. the three. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think, I think it, yeah, it, it drags a little bit in the middle. Um, and I'll talk about one of the things that I didn't like about that. My least favorite moment, but yeah. Um, but overall though, I still thought it was really, really fun. Yeah. Um, so uh, there are some Tokyo tidbits, but I want to go through some of the characters first, just because mm. of like, this is one of those movies that it's an older movie. So, uh, you know, it's interesting to catch like some of these actors that like went on to do other... a million other things. And yeah. Some did, yeah. Didn't. I don't think. Yeah. Some didn't, but like others, like uh, a couple of them are like people that I actually literally recognized. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh, my God, it's that guy. Holy crap. Like, it's a movie. Like, I'll, I'll talk about him. But yeah. so let's just start out with uh, Mr. Eyebrows himself. The, the two uh, Sergeant, leads. Yeah. Sergeant Ben, ben Peterson is the character name. Uh, but he's played by. <laughs> oh, Ben Peterson. OK. Ben Peterson. Uh, but he's played by <laughs> James Whitmore. When... Um, and this actor, uh, for people our age, where we will recognize him from is he was. The old guy in Shawshank Redemption. Redemption. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Also, he was still Mr. Eyebrows because, man, those eyebrows. Yeah, those eyebrows. Listen, you can't escape from eyebrows like that. Take it from me. I thought with caterpillars on his face. I thought when I saw it, when I first saw him, I was like, I I had a split second where I was like, I wonder if that's uh, uh, Ben Parker. <laughs> for oh, like a yeah, split no. second yeah, the first guy no the that first... actor's name was cliff yeah that's a different guy but like the eyebrows immediately jumped out to me <laughs> kill them yeah. all peter <laughs> and this get is him, one peter. of those this is one of those actors that has been in a billion yeah. things since since this early era like i mean he was in tora 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 he's he's been in a lot of like uh, big movies Damn. from this era yeah. Um, he's, he's, a, he's, he's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, it's, he's that, that great, like fifties actor, you know, that was just like in everything and everything, uh, that he could ever be in. All at uh, once, yeah. uh, uh, so next is, uh, yeah. So keeping with the two main characters. So we've got, uh, Robert Graham, FBI agent, AKA James Arnis. Um, he's one that, uh, he's been in a lot of Westerns. Yeah. Uh, he has a lot, that, a lot of Westerns. He has that white hat face, you know? Yes. Yeah. Uh, his biggest he's claim big. to fame, uh, were, uh, the two TV shows, uh, how the West was one and Gunsmoke. Yeah. I will uh, say that uh, of the two main characters, I do like uh, eyebrows Coon better. I think that he yes. had more character, more personality, whereas like, uh, uh, Robert Graham feels very much like a stock 1950s protagonist. Yes, without a lot of yeah. like to uniquely identify him, and maybe I just hate him more because he betrays the one Texan in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. maybe that's what it was like. You know, the thing that really you set guys me know off. for a fact that he ha- he doesn't need to be there, but they're like, we got to keep him here to keep it secret. Yeah, I I think I don't know. Yeah, between the two of them, also I like that. Um, Mr. Eyebrows like was a character on his own that did not rely on the romance plot. Yeah, yeah. So like, yeah. like the problem with Graham is that he kind of falls into that trope. Even if this movie is probably one of the first ones to invent that in like the yeah. monster movie, like it's still you can really feel that as far as his character is concerned. Like it's very yeah. tropey. Yeah. Um, 
But regardless, uh, yeah, so he did a lot of Westerns and stuff around that era. And those yeah. two TV shows, like I said, are his biggest claim to fame. Um, talk about somebody who do, does have a really good claim to fame is uh, Dr. Harold Medford, a.k.a. played mm-hmm. by Edmund Gwynn. I did not recognize his face until I went to IMDb and saw what his like his actual photo was. Uh, so biggest claim to fame for him is he was Santa in the original on hey. um, 34th Street. Yeah, yeah, he uh, was. Which I mean, he was fantastic as Santa in that role. Like the that that movie is a classic, obviously. Yeah. And then uh, I think he's awesome in this movie. He's so the thing I love about him in this movie is he is not the typical scientist. He's 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 very he's goofy and like eccentric, but not in an annoying weird way. Like he's yes. not like inhuman. <laughs> like I think that a lot of times eccentric like scientists get like kind of painted as like they're they're you know like. Nowadays, it's all like the evil scientists where they love the thing so much they turn into a villain. Um, yes. Whereas, like, it's not necessarily that he's unconcerned with humans. He's just so fascinated by the weirdness yeah. uh, and the impossibility of things that he's like, that's his forefront. But he's not yes. like, you know, like, oh, why would we bother saving the children? You know, <laughs> like this trope would eventually evolve into that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. for but now, in this movie, yeah. Yeah. For now, he's more be... he's more hyper focused yeah. on yeah. the problem than you know. Oh, who cares about humans? Yeah, yeah. He's just he's just he's just a weird old man, and I yeah. love him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he is an actor that he he was acting since the 30s. Oh um, yeah. But he did pass away shortly after this movie. Actually, he passed away in 1959. Oh, no. So he passed away five years later. So this is one of his mm. last roles. I mean, he, he had a few others after this, but. Um, but still, um, uh, yeah, I really, I really liked him in this role, though. I thought he was a lot of fun. Uh, he had a really good, uh, fun back and forth with his, with his, uh, his daughter. Yeah, um, yeah. His interactions I liked, I liked with everyone a lot. were great. Um, yeah. And he taught me a lot about ants. <laughs> he did. He really did. Um, so uh, for the the female lead, we have Joan Weldon playing Dr. Patricia Medford. Yeah. Um, so just another, once again, another one of those actresses during this time period, she was in a bunch of different things. Yeah. Um, she stopped acting in 1958, actually. Oh. And she passed away in 2021. So oh. she actually passed away a couple wow. years ago. Uh, but uh, yeah, so she, she didn't do a lot of things, but I liked her in this movie. Yeah. Uh, I thought that she was a... Yeah. Uh, I mean, she was it competent. suffers from that like 1950s thing where like either they have to make like, a really pointed like, you know, attempt or... Yes. She gets coffees, coffeed cigarettes, coffee uh, <laughs> sandwiches. Yeah, like you know, we're like, it, it, and unfortunately, she does kind of like towards the end of the movie stop even having like dialogue. She's just there. Yeah, um, which is yeah. a bummer because like they kind of set it up to where like she's like the human element of the eccentric doctor pair, and then like yeah. very like at the midway point. You know, she's just there in the background while like other people are acting around her. Yeah, yeah. You know, like no, the, I agree the second the second investigation where they're trying to track down the ants is kind of her last bit Thing. of doing stuff. But it's yeah. mostly like her just repeating information, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she's she's great. She also has there's a shot when they go down into the tunnels, and this is when I thought like, oh, she's going to be like the she's going to be an action gal, um, uh, where she's you know wearing this gas mask, and they have this Elvira lighting on her face. When, yeah, like, they do. Yeah, where they're like they just entered the tunnel, 
Um, and it's such, I don't know, just the look of it, like really like hit me. It was very like a lot of the, you know, like gas mask art from that era is very indicative of like world war one and like world war two. And like, you know, mm-hmm. gas was, you know, a way bigger part of war back then. Uh, and usually it's like, you know, masculine faces and it's like, you know, in the face of war and it's, it's yeah. rare to see, you know, uh, and maybe it's just like, again, like the propaganda of the time is very like focused on like the war or like mm-hmm. families, but to see a feminine face with Elvira sexy lighting in a gas mask <laughs> was just like, I don't know, stunning. Uh, something about it really like I was like yeah. intrigued. Um, it's something you don't see very often. It's yeah. You know, there's yeah. a lot of shots in this movie that that really stuck with me on on this time that I that I watched it. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. So just two more actors to talk about. Uh. Just the brief one for Cameron that he already brought up is of course, uh, Leonard Nimoy's blink and you'll miss it cameo as yeah. the operator. Yeah. Uh. I didn't see it and then he sent it to me. I was like, no way, that's Leonard Nimoy. And I looked it up and I was like, holy <laughs> crap, it's Leonard Nimoy. That's uh, Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. Uh, that's really cool. Uh. And now the other guy. So Mr. Texas himself. Uh, hmm. So this actor, his his name is Fess Parker, is the yeah. actor's name. Um, when I saw him, I freaked out because there was a movie that I always used to watch as a kid that I still need to buy like a, a Blu-ray or DVD of because uh, I, I just still really like that movie called The Great Locomotive Chase, uh, nice. which is a it's it's a true story based on uh, when the uh, Union soldiers stole a Confederate railroad and tried to get it over the border oh. with like, yeah, it, it's, it's a wild story, but anyway, so he plays the, the, like the lead union soldier in that, in that movie. And I've always re- re- like recognized his face from that. Uh, but, uh, another thing that's really interesting though, is he has been in a lot of other stuff other than that, uh, including, uh, he played Daniel Boone in the Daniel Boone TV series. Nice. Uh, he wow. was, um, he was David Crockett in the magical world of Disney TV series. Like every time they did anything with uh, Davey, Davey Crockett. Davey Crockett. <laughs> um, and so like, it was just wild to recognize him. It was like, what? That's crazy. That's, that's so cool. Um, yeah. And it actually tails into uh, starting to do a couple of Tokyo tidbits, oh. uh, which is why I really wanted to do them. So Walt Disney himself screened them uh, mm. because he was interested in casting James Arnis uh you know the uh the uh the fbi agent yeah mm-hmm. uh as as Dave, as uh davy crockett however huh. he was so impressed by fess parker as the crazy <laughs> texas pilot they chose him for the part so that's Amazing. how he got the role as davy crockett was for being the crazy uh texas pilot very good stuff um so the next the next Tokyo tidbit is uh, the flamethrowers used in the movie were standard World War II weapons and were loaned by the U.S. Army to the production mm-hmm. of the film. Oh. Uh, the real act- flamethrowers. Nice. Real flamethrowers. They were actual flamethrowers. <laughs> and the actors handling the flame th- the weapons were actual World War II combat veterans wow. who had used them in battle previously. So, like, not only were they real flamethrowers, they actually got real people that knew how to use those flamethrowers, uh, real, which is like really flame fun. Like flamethrowers. Wow. <laughs> um, so... In 1998, apparently it was revealed that while they were filming the movie, it got up to like 100 degree, 110 degrees film uh, Fahrenheit during filming. Um, and the costuming got to be a problem with them because they were wearing like wool. And... I was going to say, like, there's multiple, yeah. especially in like the desert sequence I brought up with Michelle. 
like the like crime scene investigator guy who's like making the plaster mold of the ant foot is in a three piece suit in the middle yeah, of a full like suit. the yeah. New Mexico desert in a sandstorm. <laughs> I was like, oh my yeah. god, yeah, yep, that's hardcore. Um, so uh, there were only three giant ants constructed for the film in total, which oh. is why we only ever see three. Uh, and in one room at a time. There's that's. I why. like that because for that final scene, they just glued a- wings on, on the back. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I loved that. Listen, that's inventive, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's just good thinking. And just... they are actually torching these. <laughs> so something that was actually could have ruined this movie's aesthetic uh, and 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 uh, uh, feeling of atmosphere. Huh. So the film was originally going to be filmed in color. Uh, but two days before shooting began, the studio, nervous about the cost of color film, uh, <laughs> forced them to film it in black and white. Uh, uh, yeah. Of course, they allowed the the them title to be uh, colored in in yeah. that process. But uh, but yeah, the whole film was originally going to be in color, which I really would I really think would have like ruined the movie, honestly, because the the, yeah. the black and white aesthetic is just so well, it, it makes everything. Uh, and I've noticed this as I've gotten more into like film photography is that like contrast is easier to aim for than color composition. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easier to make something look dramatic and powerful when you are just focused on like the shading and like the lines of things. Whereas when you're trying to uh, shoot for color composition, there's just a a different angle that you have to like a different thought process that goes into things, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, Yeah. I don't know. It's just very, very interesting. Um, Let's see. There was one more. Okay. So, uh, so this is more of a sound design thing, but I'm not going to be able to remember it before we get there. Yeah. Um, uh, so the sound that the giant ants make as they approach yes. their prey is a recorded yes. chorus of bird voiced oh. tree frogs. That's it. Mm-hmm. Of the southern southeastern United States, occasionally a gray uh, gray tree frog can be heard on the soundtrack as well as the species can be heard together at the same wetland. Oh. Uh, these distinctive uh, whistling type sounds were reused in other films in the years that followed, particularly in the movie Mohawk and, funny enough, <gasps> The Black Scorpion. Hey! <laughs> There's well, our connection. Oh, well, well. We didn't do uh, that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh. man. Uh, it's good stuff. Okay, so that's that's some, that's some good Tokyo tidbits. Let's move on to the creature design because I feel like it's... Uh, we can't ant. just say they're ants because ant. they ant, but, <laughs> but furry, they look different. Ants. Furry ant, big lip, big, <laughs> furry big ants old, with big lips around their mandibles, big old curly uh, lips wrapped around. Yeah, them. like if uh, like let's mandibles. say I went and finally, finally got those injections in my lips to really plump them up. Yeah, and then had two big ant mandibles just come out of my <laughs> mouth. That's what it looks like. Yeah, there you go. It's um, big inflamed, yeah. Like it's a, it's the body shape is a normal ant, uh, but you have like a bigger head, so it's kind of like carpenter ant e, you know, yeah, uh, you know where the head is bigger than like the thorax, um, yeah. covered they said in this the, fine the species fur. that they base them on. In the it is in this uh, Doctor Medford's little presentation oh, yeah. about the ants. Uh, I can't <clears> remember <throat> what it was though. I'm just going off of what I remember from Texas ants. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so for me, carpenter ant, but furry. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, ants. Um, furry ants. Very fuzzy. Very fuzzy. These... The 
big old chompers in the front and big drooly lips stretched and tight the around the mandibles. Super long antenna. As yeah, well. very, 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 very long antenna. Yeah. Really um, long. Yep. So uh, one thing that just really separates this out of the pack for um, the the other like monster movies around this time is pretty much all the other monster movies around this time were done with uh, stop motion. Uh, which, as I just said in the little Tokyo tidbits, um, these ones were puppets. These are giant yeah. puppets. There isn't a single shot of stop motion in the film. They're all using these giant puppets nice. that they built, which is really, really Did interesting. Did they survive, or were they all destroyed? I, mean, I assume they all got destroyed. Well, they would set them on <laughs> fire. setting them on fire. Well, yeah. that's the thing, is they set them on fire multiple times, which means they probably set them on fire, put them out, reapplied fur and the, like the, the fuzz. skin texture, and then set them yep. on fire again, you know? I bet, I bet. If what a you cursed watched, existence. <laughs> I bet if you watched this movie uh, and like actually actively tried to keep track of like the damage on the puppets, oh, you yeah. probably could see the damage on some of the other shots in the film if you were actually trying. Yeah, to. that's possible. Uh, I, I kind of assumed that it's just a giant asbestos mound that they duct tape for <laughs> to every, every between every probably, shot. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. probably accurate. <laughs> You know, Doc, uh, I've been growing these giant lumps all over my body. The more I work with the the, the ants, it's, uh, I cough a lot more. <laughs> I've been yeah, licking the ants for fun, but um, I think my insides are on fire. Hey, guys, get a load of this. Uh, <laughs> you guys love it. Everyone yeah. thinks it's funny. <laughs> um, But yeah, uh, what am I trying to think of? Um. Yeah, so once again, the ants, uh, they, they look for the most part like normal ants. But yeah, I think their fuzziness is the biggest difference. And yeah, I, I, I yeah, they do have a very fuzzy. Yeah, they do have a very unique look to them as far as like you can like if somebody put a picture of the them ants, you know, that's where they came from. Uh, yeah. You wouldn't like be like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Which giant uh, ant movie did these come from? Right. Yeah, they're mm. very, very, very unique. Um, it's another one of those situations. I, I just have to bring it up because we talked about it with Jaws uh, of like if they remade this movie, they would have to like forcibly make the ants look like the old ants. Like they couldn't just like yeah. remake them with just normal looking ants. Like, yeah, I think it would just look weird. Like you wouldn't be yeah, able they, to like they have become iconic <laughs> yes <laughs> very much so there's a distinct look to them that is yeah uh, not capturable with just like a cgi ant model i don't think you could just like throw like the ants from edf you know into this yeah, movie no, it would have to be it would have to be the specific like yeah design that we have here or something similar something to it, yeah uh, akin uh, to yeah yes yeah they, it, they are very much monsters more than they are ants yeah that is what yeah. i would say um, how many how many other ways can we say that? <laughs> uh, uh, favorite and least favorite? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, ooh, can I start? Can with I go favorite? first? Because mine oh. is the very very beginning. Oh, really? Because mine's also really yeah. early in. But yeah, oh, absolutely. Okay. Mine is literally the opening sequence. Oh. Okay. I absolutely love how that was filmed. I love how the the little girl. Just absolutely crushed it. Oh, I mean, she yeah. didn't have to do much. Oh, yeah. But like <laughs> shell shock. Yeah, I mean, she she's was just selling. looking. Yeah, yeah. She is, you know, thousand yard stare, and just the way they're interacting with her, where they're like concerned, but also just like baffled. It's just like it starts the movie on a for especially for that time period. It's such a bizarre note. Yeah, mm -hmm. and just yeah. launches directly into this mystery of like what is 
going on out here? Like it just—it's such a good, it's such a good note to start on. Yeah, yeah. It's such a you know to especially for the way the story unfolds and how much of it is investigation and mm-hmm. you know trying to sort of figure things out. It's almost like a police procedural with giant ants in it. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's just that's the perfect way to start. It feels almost like the start of like a a, a Law and Order episode. Yeah. <laughs> Or just like, you know, it starts immediately after the inciting incident rather than like starting with the ants tearing up the trailer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it starts with a mystery, which yes. leads yeah. perfectly into my favorite sequence, which is literally the opening discovery stuff. Like them walking around and doing this investigation and seeing all these signs of something truly like malevolent and big happening. And all the way up until, like, honestly, the first gunshot of the movie. Uh, I think that whole investigation of the trailer and the investigation of that little, like, outpost. um, And seeing all this destruction, seeing this, like, you know, because they make these big soundstage sets where they've destroyed stuff. uh, Have these big holes through walls and everything. And the slow buildup to a reveal that it's a giant ant is so good. And I can imagine if I didn't know what them was. And I just was listening yeah, to if the we were 19... sitting in the theater in 1954. Yeah. And like listening to the commercial, them watch out because they're coming. Yes, that's right. Them make sure not to miss them, you know, or whatever. Right. And I'm just like, <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm a, you know, I'm a normal soda jerk kind of guy. I'm going to go on down to the, the big movie house and see a theater production. And then I'm going to go there and the whole buildup and tension of this thing and hearing the, the whistling crickety noise. Yeah. Yeah. The, the stridulation is the stridulation. Stridulation. The ants. They said, they say it in the movie. And also if you have subtitles on, it says loud stridulation increases. Uh, Loud Ah. stridulation. There you go. (laughs) My favorite kind of stridulation. Um, and so just like the buildup of that is so good. It's so perfect. Uh, and the first death uh, that you hear uh, is just great. Uh, you know, like they, they, they avoided the temptation to have like the ants, like, ant, you know, like antenna come in or like mm-hmm. you see the mandibles grab someone. No, if there's a sandstorm outside, it's impossible to see. The character goes out because he, you know, that noise is getting louder and the stridulation is getting louder and louder. All of a sudden you hear him go, ah, cow, 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 ah and then dying and then the noise overwhelms his screams it's very good something we talked about in our group chat a lot uh, especially in these first two sequences is atmosphere yes this movie is very atmospheric especially at the beginning yes it sets up all the rest of the events so well oh man yeah yeah um so for mine, uh, I will. I thought one of you was going to pick this, so I'm, I'm happy that you didn't. Uh, uh, the final, uh, the final sequence in the, oh, in the yeah. tunnels um, in mm. LA is phenomenal. Because here's the thing: I already gave props to this movie for killing a main character. Yeah. But the thing is, is not only do they kill a main character, but they put the other main character in immediate danger. Yeah. Right away. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which makes like, you oh. go are they both going to die? Like <laughs> they both could get killed here. Yeah. Like, cause, cause he gets the, 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 the basically what starts the sequence off is uh, eyebrows guy comes in. He sees the kids. Uh, he's the, their ants, like basically. On all them sides. Into a yeah. Yeah. And so he climbs out of the little pipe and he like kills the ones and gets the kids and puts them through the little, the pipe 
but then the other ants come and crush him and kills him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, right in time for the military to show up. The military shows up, starts flamethrowing the rest of the ants. Um, they're trying to head further and further into the tunnels, and this is where it gets interesting, as they head further and further in, but the ants that we saw surrounding the kids had damaged the yeah. like, structure because that part is under construction. And so it collapses behind the FBI agent. And so the FBI agent is now on the other side of the wall in the actual hive. Yeah. Surrounded like, by giant ants. Yeah. Yeah. He's like barely dodging underneath them and like trying to shoot them and trying to survive. And it's a really tense scene where he's like literally like, you know, he's having to like dodge roll, like literally yeah. like video game dodge roll under an ant that's like going for him. Which yeah. the thing is, is it the reason why I like it so much is because these ant puppets don't have a lot of range of motion. Yeah. But the thing is, is that when it's in that tight, tight, close quarters and you, you have all three of the puppets like there and working together in tandem, it feels like he's surrounded. Like, even though you technically, you only see three at a time. Like, it feels like there's more than that. It feels like he's just being like, your mind fills in the gaps for the movie. Yeah. Well, they're maximizing the use of their camera and limited, like, sets exactly you know which is just moving movies would just kind of be like oh there's one ant and it keeps stack and biting me oh no exactly (laughs) but you you really get that claustrophobic feel of like like i said the other main character just died so it really does leave you to that position of like technically this guy could die too there's no like they just showed you they're willing to do it yeah yeah no one they immediately turn the gun on the other our other main character and they're like, Oh God, they're going to do it. <laughs> they're crazy. Um, uh, speaking yeah, of that I, tension, yes. I briefly wanted to mention the scene just before eyebrows goes to save the kids. Um, there's a bunch of different like army guys and a bunch of different Jeeps driving through the different tunnels, trying to find the ants. Yeah. And, um, our two main characters who are best friends and possibly lovers at this point, <laughs> um, drive past a, uh, a small sort of like drainage pipe. Um, and they hear kind of not the, not the stridulations, but kind of like, doom, a, doom, doom. A, a, yeah. Yeah. Lightning like noise. things yeah. moving around. Yeah. And so they like get on the radio and they're like, everybody turn off your engines, turn off your engines, turn off your engines. And like, it's suddenly dead quiet. Yeah. And they turn the little spotlight on the drainage pipe, and it only lasts a few seconds because it shows the pipe, and then it shows each of their faces. Yeah. And that created so much more tension than I was expecting to get out of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, it felt like a Hitchcock moment. Like, I was just like, oh, God, <laughs> what's going to happen? I was expecting, like, an ant head to pop out. Hey. And if an ant head did pop out, I was going to freak out. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, you yeah. don't, but it doesn't, the ant head doesn't pop out, so you don't get a release from that tension. Oh, yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> hey, speaking yeah, of release from tension, do you want to talk about things that made us tense? No, wait, not tense. No, not tense. The other opposite. The opposite. <laughs> things that made you say, <sighs> "All right, come on, come now. on, guys, come on." Yeah, what are you doing? What are you doing? Because this for? movie wasn't perfect. I did yeah. like a lot of it, but there are there are things that I that I didn't like, and uh uh. Kyle and I got a chance to talk about this before we started recording. So I think we like, I know what his is. And so mm-hmm. mine's at the, basically the end of the movie. So I'll, I'll save, I'll save mine. Uh, uh, Cameron, where's yours in the movie? Um, I mean, it's the same problem I usually have with these movies. I was gonna, you know, so it's like when, um, towards the big, be- it's towards the beginning mm. when the, when the Medfords first show up. Okay. 
and her, the her cops dress gets yeah, her dress gets, gets stuck, and they're caught. like, "Whoa, they're look like, at yeah, their ankles! Wow, look at those calves!" <laughs> <laughs> come on, come on, guys, yeah. man. Um, yeah, my, mine is in the middle of the movie. Uh, this movie, just like I don't know, every other '50s movie from this, like the sci-fi movies from this time, has a yeah. bad problem with like middle slowdown. It's uh, like they weren't concerned with the the second yeah. act. Mm, the second yeah. act just was like. It just had to be there, you know? Yeah. They're trying um, to get them and, in seats and then and get them, specifically, leave them with a memory they can talk about, and then the middle just doesn't matter. <laughs> specifically, as fun as it is, the I, I think that the 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 ant boardroom scene specifically, where he's trying to explain why these ants are a big threat. Well, um, I did like that, but for very specific reasons. I, no, I like it. I just think it lasts too long. I think. Oh like, no, it's definitely too long. Because he, because he just like he starts just kind of rambling, and it, I mean, it fits the character to be fair. But like, it, it just it just feels like he just all of a sudden he's just like, oh, and here's a slide of ants at war, and it's like, why? I don't. What what does this have to do with anything? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, there's nothing to do here. I the um, implication of that scene did make me laugh, which is that like ants are ants are evil, spiteful things that love to do yeah. war. They're just <laughs> like us, so we need to wipe them out. <laughs> yeah, it just it, I don't know. Like I said, it just wasn't. Uh, it just it just didn't for for me. It just lasted too long, and it slowed down what was already a slow second act. Because I yeah. mean, Rob, uh, I think I don't. You brought up that the the. The second investigation is the one that drags. The second investigation feels like they're chasing at half leads that don't really, like, it's supposed to be like, oh, there's a whole global, like, they could be anywhere. The answer, they could be anywhere. And then, like, so they're chasing these leads, but no lead specifically is, like, narratively important, except for the gal whose kids went missing. Yeah, you know, and that, we don't get to her for a while. Yeah, so we just we have it's like <clears throat> oh the Texan and he's you know locked in the loony bin, but then they don't lock the mom in the loony bin. So, you know? <laughs> uh, and then like it's like we can't let anyone know, and then they there's like three meetings where they're like we can't let anyone know, and then they do another investigation, they talk to someone, they come back, we can't let anyone know, and one guy's like maybe we should let people know, I don't know, and then they do another investigation. This time they're looking for the. And they're talking to all the drunk people. It's like, okay, but we can't let anyone know again and again and again and again. It's just repeating itself. And like, I think the middle of the movie for me is also my least favorite moment, but I have one editing issue that I'll talk about here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So in the final sequence where everyone's basically like uh, eyebrows, Coon has said, Oh my gosh, I found the ant bed. It smells exactly like it did in that, uh, (laughs) that, (laughs) Uh, a toxic pit that I was in earlier. Somehow I could smell things while I was in there. Uh, it smells exactly like that. So I'm, I'm near the brood pit. Come to where I am. So all of the military is now racing to his location, but they only had like a certain number of tunnels where they could film. So there's this Y bracket where there's like an, an entrance from the left, an entrance from the right, and then the cars race past uh, down like, you know, so it's a Y joiner in this big tunnel network. So mm-hmm. you get four Jeeps from the left, three Jeeps from the right, and they take turns kind of filing in together. And then they race past and the camera pans left whoop, to follow them and then zips back to the right. So it's supposed to be like, a, oh, it's, it's in a new location. It's a jump cut. But then it's the exact same footage again. Cars from the left, yeah. cars from the right, four, three, line up, boom, and they zip by. And it's like, 
You didn't. Like, I know that you're trying to make it look like there's tons and tons and tons of military guys. Once was enough. It's fine. Uh, yeah. If it had have been, like, to another tunnel, or if that jump cut had have done something, but literally jump cutting to a r- repeated segment of film, I don't know. It feels like it feels like late era, like Toho when they're out of money, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like i it just it just stuck out to me I, and like you know while technically the middle part is my the series of investigations that lead nowhere is my least favorite that was the editing thing that really stuck out to me because everything else had so so deliberate such a like a, a, a thought behind it uh, yeah that like this sequence being so kind of like uh, we just got to pad this one sequence for a little bit for some reason. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> really stuck out to me. It's a nitpick, but it's one that really like annoyed me. It caught you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, okay. So uh, cinematography, special effects. Uh, yeah. So, okay. So let's do special effects first. Um, as we stated earlier, um, the ants are done completely. Puppets. Uh, puppets. There's no stop motion mm-hmm. in this movie. Um, they're, they're used very, very well. Um, and once again, they don't have the greatest movement, uh, from like their legs. Like when they're, when they're, when they're, when they are supposed to be walking, they're pretty much just being pushed on a cart with like, but their legs aren't dragging behind them. Like in, uh, the mighty Morphin power Rangers movie when the, (laughs) the stone triceratops moves towards people. (laughs) No, no, no. They're they're definitely doing some level of puppetry, but like, it's not, it's not actually moving. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, and then of course, uh, props to the movie for uh, using a lot of like real fire to burn the props. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, and there's like no CGI like, in this movie. You yeah, guys. match that. <laughs> but yes. yeah, I mean, but like, it's just it's it's refreshing. Yeah, uh, it's nice to see like real action on the screen. Yeah, uh, done completely practically, um, and uh, I, I appreciate it for that. There, there's not a whole lot of camera tricks that they had to do to make the mm. ants look big or yeah. anything like that. Cause they uh, the only camera tricks props. <laughs> yeah. The only, the only camera trick they had to do was to, you know, we only have three ant props. We got to use them in ways yeah. to make yeah. the, we have like to one. be very yeah. strategic about where we put foliage on this set so that we can cover <laughs> up the cart. We're pushing the ants on. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as, as far as uh, cinematography goes, I mean, for the most part, uh, it's pretty standard to the 1950s. Yeah. I don't mean that as a negative. I just mean that's just what it it's is. Filmed like, like a play. Yeah. The, ca- the cameras are the cameras are big and heavy and can't move. So like they have to film them a certain way. You know. Yeah. Like, um, there is some there's some nice uh like one of the, the the most iconic shot in the movie probably is uh when um when the the girl see not the little girl but the the woman, yeah, when she sees, uh, when she sees the ant come over the sand dune ah. behind her, and she like falls, and yeah. it's like this cool, like low angle shot looking up at the ant with her in frame. Um, very good at establishing the size for the creature very quickly. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much all I have to say about cinematography. Yes. I don't yeah. know if you guys have anything. It's yeah. a pretty well shot movie. There's a there's a lot of stuff in here that I was like, oh wow, yeah. I wasn't expecting this to be as effective as it was. Like, I remember watching this a lot, uh, especially on, like, AMC Monster Fest. They played it uh, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. This definitely is, like, one of the, like, I don't know. You get the feeling that this is, like, the thing that set up a lot of the, like, tropes and 
standard for the early American B uh, sci-fi horror movie. Oh uh, yeah. It, it's, it, but it's good. I really like the, the like use of, you know, like they do a very good job with like showing the scale of things early on. Once they get into the city, things kind of like get a little bit tighter, but all the New Mexico stuff, they took, uh, they took use of the space, which was good. Yes. Um, but yeah, I agree. Uh, good cinematography. The only thing was that one little editing goof, uh, and not even a goof, the editing choice, because it was deliberate. Yeah. I just think it was a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Right. It could have worked out. Oh, also it extremely funny video and video stuff. Anytime like they're doing when they're doing yeah. the announcements um, where they clearly just filmed something somewhere. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. then they <laughs> so like that's all blurry and like out of focus and too dark. And then there's this one little like square cut of like <laughs> oh. an announcer guy on a TV being like, and the yeah. ants are coming and they will. They're going to do bad they're things. So big. Uh, very yep. very funny uh those sequences no for sure but there's Absolutely limits sure. to what they could have done there so yeah uh, it's fine yeah. it's fine <laughs> every movie uh, this time has one scene that is hilarious <laughs> yeah um we t- we already talked about uh sound effects a little bit but let's go into that so so the obviously the stridulation is such a very iconic noise yeah that these ants make like i mean i i i knew this sound very like definitively in my brain without even seeing the whole movie oh yeah. um like yeah i was trying to pull up the thing and i got commercial <laughs> immediately <laughs> uh it was uh yeah i mean it's very iconic um yeah. it's very um very unique to this movie uh, once again yeah. even though they use the sound later on like it, it became a hey that's the sound from them not hey, like the them sound not hey that's a weird sound sound effect they reused like it's very specific to this movie um the music is is your typical 1950s yeah there there it is so you can actually now that you've got like the knowledge that it's you know frogs you can definitely hear it you can hear it yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) um but yeah, the movie, the music is very 1950s, you know, this this type of movie bum, 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 from this bum. era. <laughs> yeah, um, it works very it well. It reminds me this, of the, the musical sting from Creature from the Black Lagoon. Anytime oh, you see yeah. any part of the creature, it's like, oh, bum, yeah. bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Some great uh, sound effects for like the, the, the military stuff, like the flamethrowers. Man, the flamethrowers. Uh, oh, yeah. So good. It's yeah, probably because they're good big, stuff. heavy, recording whoosh. real you know, flamethrowers. <laughs> I would ass- I would assume they're just recording the real thing on set. Um for sure. Uh yeah, no, I agree. Um so let's see. Well, I guess we're on final thoughts. Yeah. Uh yeah. Who wants to start it's us a off? Pretty short film. <laughs> um, uh I'll I'll go. Yeah. Okay. Get in there. Yeah. Um I have a lot of fond memories of this movie. I, I mentioned earlier this was a this one was in heavy rotation on like uh, <laughs> uh AMC's Monster Fest back in the day. Yeah. And uh, uh, Joe Bob Briggs oh, uh, showed yeah. it on one of one of his episodes that they ran a lot. Um, it is just such a like perfect example mm. of this moment in American film. Like, it is the archetypal like drive-in movie. Yeah, it has you know every single thing, and a lot of it was you know stuff that was like tropes that were like started in this movie. Yeah. Um, that became so, so recognizable. And so like, Oh yeah, that's, that's this thing. <laughs> yep. Um, 
it has so much that it does well. And like this was, I haven't watched it in at least 10 years, but yeah, watching it now after we've been doing this show and I've you know noticed more things about like movies and how movies are made and it recontextualizes a lot of the stuff that I see so that I things that I you know wouldn't have thought to be impressed by. Yeah. Now mm-hmm. I'm really impressed by. Yeah. Um and just especially those little moments where they manage to create genuine tension in a movie about giant ants that look like that. <laughs> giant ants with fur and lips. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a genuinely scary premise and for the most part it's pulled off and it's easy to, to take the movie seriously. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You know, all the, all the actors are very genuine. There's a couple moments where somebody acts like they are in a movie, but like, like when everybody's speaking in a very official capacity, it feels like a real meeting. You yeah. know, and the the beginning of that boardroom scene also has something that stuck with me that they could never have anticipated. And it's um, the scientists telling a bunch of government officials, listen, you either don't believe in this problem or you don't think it's as serious as it is. And I was like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, boy. Zing. That, that came is, back, didn't it? Guess nothing's ever changed forever. Nothing's <laughs> ever changed. Um, but yeah, it's <sighs> an absolute classic. Uh, if you are interested at all, in uh, the the golden age of American black and white B movies, this is a a must see. Yeah, well, it's right not, up there it's with Giant a, Gila Monster. It's not a B movie; it's an ant movie. I think I thought we uh, okay. discussed All right. that pretty thoroughly at this point. Yeah. But... Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, you like jazz, do you? Um, yeah, I'll go next real quick. Sure. Uh, yeah, like I said, this is a movie that you know it's it's a classic. Um, uh, for a reason and it's just one that just is uh, it's just like once again I just never sat down and watched the whole thing uh, but uh, yeah I mean I, I, I get how this movie really established a lot of things for any of these kinds of like giant like nuclear movies nuclear creature movies past this point um, from from American giant Studios. radioactive blank yeah, like oh, now yeah. it's a bug. Now yeah. it's a giant mantis. Now it's a, you know, <laughs> like it's it, it's always this movie started that kind of theming. Um, mm, and I, I really want to do at some point. <laughs> Ooh. That movie, that movie's great. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I, I I really enjoyed watching this. Um, it was uh, it's it has a it has a fairly uh, different kind of way of doing a different monster movie a monster movie like with we talked about like it's kind of like an, almost an invest investigation yeah more so than it is let's fight the thing i mean the fights do happen but yeah but it's, the it's solutions a... the solutions for fighting you don't have to like science your way around it instead you have to discover the problem because you just kill it with normal means you know right exactly yeah so a lot it's, of kaiju it's... movies it's like we've got to create yeah. a new special anti coagulant bomb or something <laughs> yeah yeah no this is yeah they can kill them it's just the, the scary part is it's them spreading yeah, yeah. Um, they're on a they, they can kill them but ooh, they gotta move fast yeah and moving fast with a large organization <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but yeah i like i said I, I really enjoyed it i had a blast watching it I'm, I'm glad we 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 covered it um i think it was really really fun i think it like I said, it's a classic for a reason. And if you haven't seen it and you are into these kind of giant monster things, 
uh, you you should definitely check it out. Um, if the best way to check it out, I'll say it in my bit so I don't forget, is there was a special effects uh, four-pack Blu-ray that came out from Warner Brothers that includes them, Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, Ooh. Son of Kong, and... Um, Oh god, I can't remember the last one. Huh. Uh, but uh, but it's a four pack. Uh, it should be relatively easy to find. Uh, the transfer from the four K to like up to the Blu-ray for these these black and white films was gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, I got to call give the shout out for that because I mean this movie looked awesome in uh, in uh, the black and white and everything. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. You should check it out. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> echoing a lot of sentiments is a phrase I use a lot. Uh, but yeah, I agree. It's a very, very good movie. Uh, it's also available on Internet Archive, uh, also the mm. Blu-ray version. Um, so, you know, that's another venue. Uh, I think that this movie was super, super fun. It definitely had all the... And that's the thing. I never had like a, you know, I had like, uh, you know, when it comes to like movie fandoms, like I, I kind of go in like arcs where it's like, be really into like, you know, Kung Fu movies for a while. And I'm really into like, you know, eighties comedies or whatever. And I'm really into action movies. And like, I kind of like move through these phases. I never had like a proper B movie, uh, like horror, you know, like fifties monster movie era. Mm -hmm. But, uh, watching this made me realize that like, yeah, I think I could do that as like a whole thing for a while. I could just get really <laughs> into these fifties B movies. Um, the acting's great. The special effects are really fun. The storytelling is is like very interesting because you're seeing the beginnings of tropes uh, that like echo into the modern age. Uh, very, very good. Worth checking out. I think the weakest moment of the film that none of us have talked about yet is the reveal of the title uh, in which they force <laughs> they force a little girl to smell the formic acid because it smells like ant spit. Uh, and yeah. she, she freaks she out comes out of her, put her right back in her most traumatic moment. <laughs> They're like, the only thing that will shake her out of this is to shell shock her again, which I thought was very <laughs> funny for a nurse to say, but I guess, yep. you know, mental health back in the fifties was not a science. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, as she starts screaming them, 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 and like sobbing. And it's like good acting on the child's part. But it's very funny that like that's what a weak line, yeah. That's the like, you know, they were like, What's the title of the movie? Them. Okay, well, someone's gotta say the title of the movie. Uh yeah. very, very funny. Uh I I I we probably one of us maybe should have put that in least favorite moments. But that's very funny. <laughs> Just wanted to put that in there at the end here. Uh check it out. It's worth a watch. Alrighty, so we are still in bug month. Uh yeah, we month. are. Uh, right. So so Rob's uh, Tokyo Signals is yeah. up next. Next week, uh, I'll be meeting up with Kaiju. Uh, uh, bloop. Not Kaiju Kim. Oh my Hime. Kaiju Hime. I almost said Kaiju yeah. Kim again. Uh, Kaiju Hime uh, to talk about Kimba, the white lion. Uh, there's, a, <laughs> there's an episode with a radioactive grasshopper. There you uh, go. So I'm really excited to talk about that uh, uh, with someone who's a big Disney fan so that I can make a bunch of Lion King jokes throughout the entire episode. <laughs> um, uh, but that'll be a hoot uh, and a holler. Yes. And then uh, at the end of this month, we will be covering The Black Scorpion Ooh. as the last movie of this month. Um, a uh, 
uh, underrated film, I think a little bit, also a little overrated in a weird way, but I'll talk about that when I get to talk about my least favorite moment. Next I'm excited. Time. Yeah. I'm excited to watch that. I've literally only watched it once and it was for the first Kaiju quarantine. Yes. Uh, I remember, uh, we, we streamed the first day on, on, uh, Facebook as well as like the discord thing. Yeah. Uh, just so that we could have a wider audience. And then that ended up like crashing because Facebook, uh, was like, you're doing this illegally, uh, for too long, admittedly. <laughs> um, uh, but so, yeah, I remember really liking it. I was like watching that first one. I was like, wow, this is good. I can't wait to watch more of this. <laughs> so very yeah. excited to talk about it. Yeah, it, it'll be fun, uh, for sure. Um, yeah. and then, uh, I don't know whose month is next. I'll have to look at the schedule for that. Um, Ooh, yeah, I uh, think it might be Rob's or it might be a fan month. I oh. can't, I have, we'll have to look. Hmm. Um, we could say fan month for December and start asking people to vote now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that way we get that all lined up and then the holiday special at the end of the it's month. true. Yeah, because I already know <laughs> what I'm doing for November. Uh, it's very exciting, but um, we'll have to. Uh, November is going to be a weird one because you guys are going to have to prep probably a month in advance for what I've got. Okay, November, yeah, so. the earlier you tell me, the better. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, but and, uh, uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So let me do all the bumps. Yeah. Uh, so thank you to all of our patrons uh, who support us. We really appreciate all the help. It helps us keep rolling as we do. Uh, so thank you to behind the mask, 1313, C Stafford, Kayla Talia, David Noyes, uh, Joe Jira, Jonathan, Bibikuner, Joshua, Melissa Carter, Big Odillo, uh, cool man, Cottenham, uh, Jag butcher, Uis, Nathan towns, nugget coon, 54, uh, solid snake, William Kish, Jack Horowitz, uh, brand new patron. As we were recording this episode, hey. uh, Minya fan, uh, thank you, uh, thank you so much. Uh, Nicholas Whale, Taylor Ward, Chris Britt, Eric Schuster, Joshua Lynch, and Oda. Thank you guys so much uh, for supporting the cast. As we said, uh, Cameron, do you have a thirteen seventy five for them? Yeah, but listen, you guys aren't gonna you guys aren't gonna like this one. What do you, what do you mean? <laughs> hmm? This is one. It's just not. It's not. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna say it. You already, you already <laughs> had the bug pit one. I feel like that was as bad as it I could know, get. No, but this one is just this one's really not gonna. No, you guys don't even. No, are you? No, it's, no, it's really bad. No, I don't think there could be anything worse than the bug pit. I feel like the bug pit, and we still need to cover that up because you just got this big old hole in your living room now. It's yeah, I gotta cover that up. Some, okay, all right, listen. Yeah. For thirteen seventy-five. Yeah. You can join me on a new business venture. Where I see if I can monetize the feet pics of giant insects. <laughs> All right, that's what it is. It is what oh. it is. Well, guys, Tokyo Lives was a fun experiment. I feel like we all we had a good run of it, and uh, you know, I think we went out on a low note here. If I'm being honest, a real but, low note. But uh, you know, but we did. We came. We saw, and we were canceled. <laughs> um, also, it's not feet picks; it would be foot foot picks. picks. Singular, foot. singular yeah. foot. Well, there might foot be picks. there might be some scenes where we get a Yeti's feets, plural. You know, Yeti. yeah, whole feet. Yeah. He would put They're the whole... big enough to be. Well, to be feats. fair, the only shots with the Yeti is just the one foot, and he grabs that guy, <laughs> he chokes him with his big toe, big his toe, big old toes. So maybe it is Gross. just foot picks. Yeah. 
Well, gross. I don't know. Gross. Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> so go to our Twitter at Tokyo Lives Cast. We're super active on there. We post stuff all the time. Facebook's uh, Tokyo Lives. Uh, just search for us. You'll find us. TokyoLivesPodcast.com is our website. Um, and if you leave us a review on iTunes, we will read it out on the podcast. We have gotten a new review, but it was just a it was just a star review. It didn't have any text, so I can't can't do anything with that. So, oh. but uh, we do appreciate all the help uh, with reviews and stuff as we can get because it makes us become more visible on iTunes. Yeah, uh, so, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so thank you guys so much for joining us for them, uh, and we'll see you uh, in a couple weeks for Black Scorpion. Woo! Bye, everyone. If you've never played a visual novel before and you aren't interested, just know on your second playthrough, there's a handy dandy skip button that allows you to skip past all the story that you've already seen to get to changes that you need to make in the story. When you say visual novel, is there boobies? No. Is there, oh, well, never mind then. (laughs) Not not a, not a, not a. Not a porn visual novel. Damn it. Damn it. Hate to break it to you, but games that games exist like what?